Welcome to the Raptors Reasonableist Podcast here at the Athletic Toronto. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me, as usual, Eric Green. Eric, how are uh, how are you? I hope you're better than the expression on your face would suggest right now. Oh, I'm uh, I'm lovely. Just doing real good, real well. Well, it sounds like you're doing real well in your softball season. You have successfully transitioned from Raptors season to uh, your what's your softball team called? The Isotopes. The Isotopes. Okay, smooth transition yeah. into Isotopes. The Topes to the Isotopes. Topes win. Topes did not win last week, but we're looking to change it up tonight. Yeah. So this podcast from now on will just be uh, about Eric's softball team. Oh boy. So uh, you know, <laughs> tune in gonna, for that. Will we get more listeners? Uh, probably not. <laughs> uh, I'm interested to see how many we get for this because it is the early part of the off season. We took last week off. Um, the plan was to only do these as news comes up and is worthy of a podcast. And some news came up that is worthy of a podcast. Uh, the Toronto Raptors have lost their general manager. Jeff Weltman has been hired by the Orlando Magic as their president of basketball operations. He will uh, get more autonomy in the decision-making process. He will be running his own show. He will ostensibly get a raise. Um, it's a very good opportunity for Weltman, but it leaves a big hole for the Raptors. Um, we're just coming from uh, a draft workout today where Masai Ujiri spoke to media. Uh, Eric, your feelings on the loss of Jeff Weltman in the immediate aftermath here? Yeah, I mean, in the way that the Raptors were set up, uh, since Masai Ujiri took over, it was hard to know exactly who did what. Uh, you knew, Tol- like, Dan Tolsman was on the scouting side, and you knew because of his background, Bobby Webster might be more involved in the CBA side and the trying to slot in. But basically, uh, we're looking at the loss of Messiah Jerry's right hand man. Uh, the guy who probably, when all the information was inputted uh, and Messiah Jerry had all the input, he. You know, if he was to have one last conversation, that would probably be with Jeff Weltman. And that is because their relationship goes so far back to the early 2000s when Weltman was the guy who got Masai Ujiri his first paying job. He was he was an unpaid scout, basically, for the Orlando Magic before the Denver Nuggets decided to start paying him. And, and <laughs> that was at the best of... Uh, of Jeff Weltman to uh, Kiki Vandeweghe, who was then in charge of the Nuggets basketball operations. Uh, so it's going to take a while, I think. I mean, even though, you know, Masai Ujiri was always the final decision maker, that process has now definitely been altered. Yeah, it's a, it's weird. Not weird, maybe, but it's funny that Masai kind of jumped Weltman after Weltman brought him oh, in. Oh, this is... Uh, I'm literally in the middle of writing this article right now. People but, should uh, yeah. check that out at the Athletic. <laughs> Um, but there seem to be no jealousy. No, that, of that course not. They, they seem. I wouldn't they, say they, of course not. I, I mean, I think like it's easy to have professional jealousy and any sure. Industry. But I just mean like, yeah. of course not in the sense that had there been that jealousy, uh, Weltman's been yeah. rumored to be on the executive track for a while now. Yeah. Um, a side joke that he gave Weltman the GM title around this time last year and a raise in order to try to trick people and take them off the scent. Um, <laughs> president's a, an upgrade though, and this. I mean, the thing is, it's a loss for the Raptors organization, obviously, and it's a loss for Ujiri, um, and it's going to take him probably some time to figure out, you know, who his next guy is and who that last call goes to. Um, From the Raptors' perspective, from the larger perspective, um, Masai mentioned the Spurs and how they kind of have this tree of coaches and executives around the league, and it's kind of the mark of a strong organization that um, when people want your people. 
Yeah. That means you have good people. And the, the burden now shifts to the Raptors to continue. They've shown now that they, in the initial round, um, they found and developed good people. And there's not much question about that. And now it's a matter of continuing to find and continuing to develop the Bobby Websters, the Dan Tolzmans, the Teresa Reshes, um, you know, wh- whoever it is throughout the organization. Um, and, and whether this continues to be a trend will kind of tell a lot about the Raptors over the next couple years, I think. But it's funny, though, like... You wonder what would happen, and, and this is a central question, of course, to like literally every Raptors question, but if James Dolan says, Kyle Lowry, uh, yeah, you come play for the Knicks now, uh, yeah. <laughs> instead of saying no, is like Jeff Waltman this sought-after uh, executive, and that's not the way things went. The Raptors yeah. cultivated or, or you know got surprise success, sustained that success, and now, if they go down a different route, I guess this is where I'm trying to get, if they decide to, quote-unquote, blow it up or take a step or two back purposefully, does that make their executives to the rest of the league look like they're not doing as great of a job? The Spurs have never really had to deal... I mean, they've had down years by Spurs' standards. Yeah, they've only won they 55 have, games. Yeah, and, and lost in the first round. Yeah. And lost a 2-7 matchup. But, uh, I mean, that's sort of... That's not the story here, but that's like, how do you develop... How do you identify a good executive from ownership point of view? I'm sure, sure everybody, you know, has things they look for in leaders... Uh, whether it's charisma or the ability to delegate or the ability to synthesize information and and make that decision. Uh, but again, that last point is something you can only know once you've started to do it, and that will be Weltman's job. Uh, as for the Raptors, you know, they do have, though, they have your Bobby Websters, your Teresa Reshes, your Dan Tolzmans already in place, and that leaves, uh, you know, Masai's got to still be pretty comfortable, even if he doesn't have his sounding board, um, to really talk things out at the the last moment before a draft pick or a trade. And he can still fortify that team, right? He, he yes. talked, he sounded like a guy who is going to trust his people and... Um, you know, kind of everyone shift up the ladder a little bit, but he did mention the possibility of going outside the organization and whether that's, you know, even if it's, if it's not for a GM job, if it's to hire someone else to fill that bottom rung yeah. of the ladder. Um, but they have lots of good people. So um, your, the question you pose is interesting. We can't really yeah. analyze what that would be like. Um, Weltman also has the Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah. Um, you have to drop this guy yeah. on his resume. So he, you know, you could probably live off of that for a little while. Yeah, for sure. And uh, a nice little bonus for him is that he was, you know, still in Raptors draft workouts up until... He was still at the facility today, I think. Was he I think even? I saw him. Maybe lock the and, clean out. And the Magic now have what would have been the Raptors pick at 26, I believe. Yes. And, you know, the Raptors are picking 23rd, so he's he's got a jump start on, yeah. uh, on you know, everything's coming up well mid. You know, I thought I saw Wellman today. There's no way he could have been there. I don't think he was there. Okay. I did not see I thought, him. I thought I saw him after Jim LeBombard was still here. Yes, Jim's last day. Shout out yeah. to Jim LeBombard, yes. who is absolutely not listening to this podcast. <laughs> I think, no, that's what he's... I think he's going to put it on his drive from Toronto to wherever he's living in New York. He's gonna New Jersey. Ha- uh, oh, God. Um, yeah. Although, great great bands come out of New Jersey. Yes. Uh, but I, I think he'll just be listening to non-stop Evil Raptors. Among other capitals. Yes. Uh, anyway. Springsteen doesn't... Yeah. Yeah, no, he's not... Well, he's, he's sort of, I mean, emotional, not yeah. emo. I've more met he's not good. 
trying to catch enemies here. Yeah, kind of, well, uh, yeah, I think you're. I mean, I like Springsteen. Yeah, but, I'm uh, just, I'm just taking the piss out yeah. of the fact that Springsteen is the um, captain of the sports writer. If Peter King is, li- if Peter King is listening to this, he is irate. Yeah, he's not. I'm sure. <laughs> um, okay, so. The Raptors have been working out, guys. Uh, we can talk a little bit about that. We don't really need to. There are four workouts in. They've worked out 20 prospects. Two have already pulled out of the draft. A third is probably going to in Justin Jackson. Yeah, that's sort of how I took it. Uh, I mean, I'm not as fluent in draft as you are, but... I mean, way... literally, as I was walking to BioSteel, I got an alert on my phone. Um, John Rothstein, I think reported that Jackson is withdrawing, but this was before the Raptors workout. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe the Raptors told him, hey, we'll draft you at 23. Yeah, that could have changed. But the way Dan Tolzman was talking about him, he's like, boy, next year he'd be like somebody worth tracking. Yeah. And by the yeah. way, if he stays in, yeah. he'll also ne- next be, year we'd when, be talking about him. Yeah. Uh, next year when we're tanking yeah. and have lots of picks from yeah. trading DeMar DeRozan. And, Look, um, the, <laughs> the, dra- the whole draft process in general is obviously... Uh, it can be, I mean, it's something that we don't learn a lot from. I think that's uh, less so now, but more so in years past. It's like, how did this guy look? It's like, well, we see the guy. Yeah, I don't think you learn much about the players. I do think that you can learn a little bit about how the organization attacks these workouts and how um, the organization thinks about things like talent and upside or, you know, skill development. Something that we've learned in in the past is that, the Raptors maybe don't put as much uh, emphasis on shooting percentage at the college level yeah. if they see something mechanically. Um, we know that they, we've learned that they don't really care that much if a player is considered overage, um, yeah. especially if they're limited on actual experience. And um, these are things that yeah. you could suss out from the draft picks themselves. Yeah. But draft picks, you know, that's an ex- incredibly tiny sample. Like mm-hmm. you could look at the lawn right and Pascal Siakam and be like, oh, the Raptors don't care about guys being overage or look at norm powell and be like oh they don't care about three-point shooting but the sample's small so that might not be those might be exceptions but being there and talking to them and and seeing who they're working out and how they feel about certain guys um can inform that at least a little bit they're not yeah they're not going to be forthright with what they're looking at and who's great and who's bad and things like that but it's just this this is a team that has never openly been we are drafting for need and right. nor should you i think at almost any position in the draft unless like you like you know even i'm not a believer even, in drafting on yeah need even ever. the boston celtics who have isaiah thomas and avery bradley i mean they're both coming up on free agency but it seems like you know a very strong backcourt they're going to take a point guard with the first pick because yeah. he's the best player available it gives you the best chance to be relevant for as long i don't think there's like a spot where you ever I mean, at a certain point, like a few years ago when the Raptors just had like seven, this is back into the Clanchel era, where they had like five or six power forwards that they needed to negotiate, then you start to worry, it's like the metaphor about driving a car off the lot. If somebody continues not to play for you because he's stuck behind you, uh, then does that guy lose value? But we've sort of seen that with DeLon Wright. Like, he didn't yeah. get a chance to play until March of this year, And, and DeLon Wright's the example and I'd like to go back value. to. And, and he's the example I'd like to go back to because on draft night, he seemed like he fit a need. They had no other point guards on the roster other than Kyle Lowry, but, you know, a week and a half later, they've signed Corey Joseph, and all of a sudden, DeLon Wright, who was in line for 15 minutes a game as a backup, now can't see the floor at all. So... You know, rosters are much too fluid, and rookies, by and large, especially picking where the Raptors have picked the last couple years, don't contribute a whole lot. Yeah. Like, if you're... Look, if the Raptors go the opposite direction and tear things down, this draft 
takes on a different importance, and I think they would move more towards swinging for upside, yeah. and maybe not to the level of a, a Bruno Caboclo <laughs> flyer. But they, um, exactly, they've but, already done But that. they would value upside um, yeah. above all else. Whereas I think if they continue to be competitive and they try to keep bringing everyone back, um, you know, then I think they'll continue to look at these you know, mature players who maybe still have some upside, but also, if needed, could step in and fill a role. No. Um, and the, your focus has to shift a little bit, I think, depending on which lane you're in, because, um, yes, age is super important, and, and a guy who's coming off an 18-year-old freshman year um, projects a lot differently than a 23-year-old junior or something like that. But if you're the Raptors... Or and a you 25-year-old senior. Yes, if you're Dylan Ennis and <laughs> you're, you know, older than most of the 905 staff... Um, <laughs> But the thing you need to keep in mind, too, is, yes, the younger a player is, generally the more upside they have. But if you're a team like the Raptors where that back half of your roster is not only development projects but inexpensive pieces who can help, the further along a player is, the more value you stand to get out of that four-year entry-level contract. Because a player can contribute more, say, from years 21 to 25 than they can 19 to 23. So you have to kind of balance these things, and it's not always the youngest prospect or the highest upside that makes the most sense for you. So that comes down to how much will the Raptors know on draft day. And we don't know. And, and like, they probably, they definitely have more information than we do, and they definitely would have sort of a plan A, B, C scenario, and this is how far we're willing to go with Kyle Lowry if we want to go with Kyle Lowry at all, and everything rolls down from there. So, I mean, they might have decided by that point, we're not signing that guy. I I don't think it's terribly likely, but that would sort of lead you to believe that they would be looking more long-term and potential than the otherwise. But maybe that there's still a team that tries to compete in that middle part of of the East while, I mean, I know this isn't your chosen route, but it's my a, least favorite yeah. one. Being stuck in the middle. Yeah. I love being stuck in the middle. So many. Well, look, the Raptors are stuck in the middle anyway, yeah. even if they this, keep everything even, together. Even if the middle is two to 15, but being, <laughs> being stuck in the middle and being like being stuck in the middle with a ceiling and a floor that are higher. Yeah. You know, that's, that's one thing yeah. being stuck in the middle where you're accepting, you're not only, accepting being stuck in the middle but you're accepting a lower floor and lower ceiling in the process is less justifiable to me um but anyway all of that will inform the draft uh so too will you know hey there's a scenario where they keep everyone together and they need to pay into the they need to get out of the luxury tax a little bit and they use that pick to um you know sweeten say taking on damari carroll or you know damari carroll is on instagram story every day showing videos of him working on the exercise bike and putting shots up so you know he's ready yeah, the so, real Demari Carroll yeah. coming back. Um, maybe we shouldn't write Demari Carroll off. He's still only thirty. I, I'm not um, writing him off. Like I, I think it's. I think it's unlikely it's he gets unlikely, back to yeah. Atlanta. Demari Carroll. I also think it's unlikely he's as bad as he was in the playoffs when next season opens. Yeah, like he's. There's at this point of his career, he should not be as good as he was in his late or mid to late twenties. And coming off surgery, there is a track record of players that have bounced back from it, but it takes some time. So Man. there could be a happy, a reasonable middle ground. Also, Damari Carroll is just like, I can't believe the universe here. doesn't owe you anything, but this dude is kind of owed like a year of just good health. He's fought liver disease, he's had his knee blow up, he's been shot in the ankle, um, 
you know, it would be cool of the universe to just, like, let Damari Carroll... Well, it gave him $60 million, Blake. Sure. Well, he, sh- he deserves to be shot. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, yes, the NBA's uh, nominee for the Community Assist Award, who is just, like, you know, hasn't been a good basketball player for the Raptors, but has been just a great, like, organizational dude for yeah. the Raptors. Um, yeah, you know, if he could, like, not have his knee blow up or his body die on him, or if he could not get shot. He deserves a real chance at this. He deserves, yeah. like, a real shot to have, to find a level and to be a contributor again. Whether he can be that after having the surgery, uh, I think yeah. we'll get some, like, we yeah, should we'll have see. the data we need next year unless another horrible thing happens. Yeah, <laughs> um, and, you know, people, as people are quick to joke, to joke and point out, uh, the Orlando Magic no longer have that whiteboard with all the player names on it where Damari Carroll and every other player in the NBA is a trade yeah, target. Yeah, that, that was very informative, that board. Yeah. Someone else we have to talk about who's also been shot, uh, Fred Andrews. Riverdale Season 1 has wrapped up. Yeah. Several people... I know some Spoiler people don't alert. like when we talk about Riverdale. Several people have asked for a post-Season 1 Riverdale Reasonableist Breakdown. Yeah. We're going to give you that for a couple minutes here. Yeah. Uh, Eric, as the season wore on, it actually... You were... You were not a big fan early on. It grew on you coming out of that kind of three-week break it took, yeah. building to the crescendo of, I guess, not even the season finale. It kind of built to the penultimate episode, and then the season finale was almost like a setup for the next yeah. season. Um, what were your thoughts on season one of the hit CW and Netflix show, Riverdale? <laughs> um, overall, like if, I, if, I, if I were to grade it, I'd give a C or something. Like I don't think the show was very strong throughout. But... I, I did the reveal of the killer I did not care about. No. Uh, they did so a that, good job making the central plot telling device meaningless. Yeah. And that, they're gonna do so that again because Archie's the main character and he's very close to Ted Mosby's own Yeah, but when you're that's a problem, you see? When yeah. you don't care about the thing you have supposed to have been caring about for the first 11 episodes that's a pro like that's there's a flaw in that design it can't all be set up to season two right you know but so, but i think I, I don't know how much of it i they, mean there was wrote ca- beforehand well they had to know who killed them right you can't, I, I was you, more yeah. meaning that maybe they wouldn't realize that that part of the story like i think maybe they wrote this as it was going to be like a mystery show and then they kind of realized partway through and they did seem to pivot whether intentionally or not that people really only cared about the youths, yeah, and not really the like towns functioning and the the murder mystery. That's aspect. a hard thing to pull off in um, in teen dramas, I would say. Like it's hard. The OC did it reasonably well with the Coens. Yeah, um, but Sandy Cohen is like the one of the yeah. greatest TV characters of all time. Veronica Mars, which you've somehow yet to watch, had a great uh, parental figure in Keith Mars. Um, um, I was told to only watch season one of that show. Season is that one accurate? is clearly the pinnacle of it okay i would say season as long as you have lower expectations season two is a fun if overstuffed mystery okay and um, season three is a bit all over is that all it place. is three yeah okay um and the movie is just pure fan service there's a movie yeah it, oh. was, it was uh crowdfunded cool um but but because it was crowdfunded it was pure fan service all right. Like, uh, so it doesn't really... It was fine. Martin Starr's in it, so that's Oh, fun. nice. Um, Perfect. But, uh, I've been re-watching Silicon Valley right yeah. now. So. Um, anyway, we're off track. 
We're off track being off track. We need to get back to Riverdale. <laughs> yeah. um, we need to talk um, about F.P. Jones, who is... Look, man, a lot of... not a, It takes a lot to get me mad about something, but the fact that F.P. Jones is still sitting in a jail cell just for trying to protect his family yeah. is the most unjust thing Free on FP. television right now. F.P. Jones innocent. He, he's guilty, though. But he's guilty. <laughs> he's guilty of crimes he committed to protect his family from yeah, murder. But you're still not allowed nah. to do that. Like it is illegal. He is, he is guilty by letter of the law, but completely innocent morally. By the spirit of the law. Yes. Yeah. F. P. Jones, innocent. Um, what's her name? Cheryl Blossom. Yeah. Yeah, I screwed it up the other week talking to somebody, and I called her Cherry I don't know Blossom. What, no, I did not do that. <laughs> Cheryl Blossom was just a house on fire the last two episodes. Like, just the crazy they amped up. Like, her yeah. sincere apology to Juggy. Juggy. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Like, that, they just... they. She was the most entertaining character yeah. on the show of, like, of the kids. Like, she... Yeah. Like, when she was on screen, no matter if she was doing something batshit insane... Or, or, just, or just doing a Juggy. cover girl commercial. Yeah. yeah. Just, like hilarious yeah like so much fun it was great i'm interested to see where she goes from here um we know we have a, a glimpse at where juggy's going from here ending <laughs> season one by putting on the Southside serpent's jacket uh much to betty's i don't know exasperation she what does was, that guy want jughead he doesn't know because he's 18 or whatever yeah like most 18 year olds i mean yeah. if i'm 31 and can decide on a life path and look i'm uh, <laughs> i'm 31 and can't decide on those things but i do know if someone handed me a Southside serpent's leather jacket <laughs> i on. would have that <laughs> serpent tattoo on my forearm so quickly i would well leave. here's the thing you have to put it on like, of course they're, you they're right there yeah i mean you you can't if you don't put you it can't on, reject like, the people like, who just promise to protect you while your dad's you, in jail you, yeah you can't like slap them uh, a gang aside yeah. while they're at your door because something bad might happen. Yeah. I mean, probably not on F.P. Jones' watch. Yeah. Like, if he was like, thanks for the jacket, I'm having a moment with my girlfriend here. Yeah. Um, but also, know, like... But, but, yeah. Look, it's, Jughead it's, could use a little toughening up anyway. Yeah. Um, I think he's tough in his own way, though. Yeah. I think, look, I, I've been hoping... I spent most of season one hoping that Jughead would at some point the beat the die. living piss out of Archie. <laughs> and if a quick turn in the Southside Serpents leads to Jughead finally just grabbing Archie by the collar and yelling at him of, what are you whining about all the time? You're sleeping with teachers and all the girls in school and you get to play football and everyone kowtows to your musical whims. Yeah. Like, what? what is wrong Although that you're I, so moopy about I, all I, the time? I mean, that might happen. I would expect some drama between those two. Yeah. Because, you, I mean, there are four main characters and you have to constantly play drama off of all of the connections. Well, Ar Archie's also um, a piece of but, garbage and the second that he realized Betty actually liked Jughead, yeah, he's no, like... Yeah, he is. He's, Archie is trash. But yes. the creator of the show, I believe, referred to seeing... Uh, as we already mentioned, spoiler alert, sideshow Luke Perry dying. Um, I don't think he died. Shot. Yeah. It was referred to as his sort of Spider-Man, Peter Parker moment. Like, okay. Uh, so I think it's going, you know, we're going hero Archie here. Okay. The show, I think, is going to... Archie's got a lot of work away. to do. Yeah, no, he sucks. Yeah. He is terrible. Um, speaking of other things that are terrible... Boston Celtics. Oh yeah, uh, well, let's pivot back to basketball. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have any? Sorry, do you have any final thoughts? 
Are you, does that make you excited for season two? It so, does. So I'm very excited for season two because I think freed from the Jason Blossom storyline, yeah. they'll be able to focus on what has actually worked. Um, and I think I could see Riverdale ending up with four or five seasons where season two is very much the best yeah. because they figured out what they should be. And then by like season three, they're losing characters and you know, just trying weird stuff. I had a theory a while ago that the while like most bands first album should be their best um, because they've been like thinking about it all their lives. Uh, TV, there's more chemistry involved and, and you need to try different things out so that the second season, because you see what's working, uh, but you've yet to run out of ideas, like that's the sweet spot. Like yeah. eventually they'll run out of... The, that, the, I mean, there are many exceptions to that. There I'm are. Just saying, the, the big, the big one is shows that play on the will they or won't they. Yeah. Usually season one is the best because you can only play that particular thing out so long. Yeah. Um, I'm think I'm thinking specifically of Scrubs and How I Met Your Mother. Scrubs, How I Met no, Your Mother had a strong second season. It, it, it did, yeah. And Scrubs played the will they or won't they over the course life of the show better than maybe any show ever. Yeah, um, Cheers wants to fight you. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've, never, I've the, never sat down and binge watched Cheers. Oh, you all, you should. Um, okay. And the love and trust uh, leaves the show at some point. Oh no. Says, uh, well, this is a big famous pop culture Hollywood moment. Diane, uh, right? Yeah, yeah okay. she, uh, the actress who played her, whose name I'm now blanking on, uh, which is terrible. Um, you continue your thought, I'll get the name. Uh, it's just terrible. Uh, but she thought she had a Hollywood career ahead of her, so she uh, she pulled the cord and decided to go have a Hollywood career, and then a few years later, uh, well, many years later, she was playing the mom character uh, in Modern Family, so it didn't go that well for her. Wait, she's the mom in Modern Family? Well, not the, not not in the main cast. Like she was uh, played uh, Ted O'Neill, no Ed O'Neill's okay. ex-wife. Okay, Shelley Long is yeah, her Shelley name. Yeah, Shelley Long. Okay. I was like Diane Long, but Diane was the name of the character, so I was like yes. Diane Lane. Diane, Diane Chambers is the name yeah. of the character. All right. Anyway, Cheers is great. Okay, well, I, I have seen like intermittent epi- like random episodes of it. I've never yeah. sat down and watched. Well, Cheers. it's like. All the episodes stand on their own because it's sort of right. an older school, but like the will they or won't they, um, while I wouldn't say it's highly serialized, there are seasons when they're together and seasons when they're not. Okay. Um, anyway, I hope I'm not 30, <laughs> I'm 30-year-old 30 yes. spoilering. Anyway. Greatest, arguably um, the greatest sitcom of all Cheers time. takes place in Boston? Yeah. What a perfect pivot point. <laughs> second, second perfect, perfect pivot point. Yeah. Um... Look, let's say this. Archie would definitely be a Celtics fan. Yeah. Um, and in the future of Riverdale, where he opts to play football, he's going to end up on the New England Patriots. Do we he's know where exactly. Riverdale is? No. Geographically? No. We know it's, like it, it gives we do know it's, across, it's across Sweetwater River from Greendale. Because that's where Sabrina the so Teenage that Witch, a, that, who is coming, yeah. uh, lives. Also, anyway. if it has anything to do with Greendale Community College, it'd be in Colorado. Okay. I have no idea. I feel like the weather's too... It, uh, it's, it seems Pacific northwest yeah. but that's just because they're going for that vibe. And it's also filmed wanna, in Vancouver, yeah, right? Yeah, they want to yeah. be Twin Peaks. Yeah. Um, Twin Peaks relaunched. Have you watched that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I haven't. Neither have I. Uh, embarrassing omission, I have not seen Twin Peaks. I just downloaded them. Um, I haven't watched them either. Even though everybody... I have been to the Twin Peaks restaurant... A bar in Vancouver. I went with a, a friend. Is that the I, one that um, Alice Cooper from Riverdale works at in the show? Betty's mom? Pop? 
Pops? No, what are you talking no, about? No, Betty's mom was Betty's on Twin mom. Peaks, right? Oh, I don't know. Okay, I'm I pretty sure she's a waitress it. at Twin at the restaurant, yeah. the Twin Peaks restaurant. But the, no, it's not, it's just like the restaurant in Vancouver just like right. shares motifs gotcha. with it. It's not the restaurant okay. uh, where Cherry Pie is somehow involved. The Boston Celtics yes. okay. suck, but won a game. Okay, yeah, so Boston won a game. Let, let me just ask you this. So after two games of the Cleveland Cavaliers just stomping the Boston Celtics, even worse than they have done to the Raptors. Uh, Raptors fans seem to be feeling a little bit better because the whole Cleveland ascendance to this level all seemed inevitable. Um, now it kind of feels like last year where they cruised through two rounds and almost intentionally let up for a game or two um, in the Eastern Conference Finals to tune themselves up for the finals, which don't start until June 1st, no matter what. Um, do you see anything here? Does the fact that Boston... Uh, won a game, you know, make their season better than the Raptors. Does Isaiah Thomas missing that game mean anything to you? Is it, or is this just we're gonna look at this as noise and it's a gentleman's sweep? And I think the fact that they got the first pick and the draft makes their season better than the Raptors. Yes, you wrote about that <laughs> recently <laughs> yeah. at the Athletic. Yeah, it's something that will, I think, will inform what the Raptors. It has to what they and the Sixers are building, primarily them. And the Bucks like a, a little bit. Yeah, but the Sixers, you know, have some nice pieces going forward, like, on the roster and off of it, theoretically. Like Kyle Lowry? Uh, yes. Um, that's exactly what I was implying. Um, but I think in terms of the season itself, first of all, it doesn't matter because Cleveland's going to advance. Yes. Um, Boston certainly had the more fun season. They had... Th- you know Isaiah Thomas turning into a freaking superhero. Plus, the um, the rise is always more. Yeah, fun. the innocent climb yes. is how Pat Riley called it. But like Boston had a prolonged climb. Like uh, like that's they didn't win a playoff series until this year. Boston is having what the Raptors had last year, last yeah. year except with more of a future plan right. in place. Yes, and that shout out to Billy it, King. Yeah. Um, Hey, the Raptors benefited off of James Dolan. Uh, they just didn't benefit. They did, but not the fact, the that, scale, the fact that the Raptors have now stand to be hurt twice by that same Celtics Nets trade yeah. is kind of kind of killer. Yeah, losing of course to the Nets in the playoff series. Of Paul Pierce yes. and Kevin Garnett, and then having to stare down the specter of the Celtics. Yeah. So let um, me just ask you this. Sorry, I didn't at all answer your question. Let's uh let's try to wrap it up because we're at 30 here yeah. and this is supposed to be a quick 20. Yeah, well, we um, have to talk about Riverdale for yeah, 10 minutes. That's true. Uh, and shows like Twin Peaks <laughs> that we haven't seen. Um, so, okay, let me ask you this. So the, the Celtics and Sixers are ostensibly set up to um, fill the void that Cleveland may eventually, in theory, leave. Um, the opposite of that is not or sorry the the byproduct of that is not only that life is going to get harder for the raptors to maintain this level but also that there's a bit of a tanking vacuum right now because the nets have no incentive to tank since boston owns their pick um the, the sixers are no longer tanking the lakers and knicks are kind of past the point where that's acceptable and they're trying to win really other than jeff weltman's orlando magic and maybe the phoenix suns uh, there aren't really any teams that are clearly set up to fail the next year or two um, does Boston's situation inform what the Raptors do from here, and how? I think it does in the sense that, you know, you, you are, like, context is inescapable, and you know that this is, you don't, because what I wrote about was basically how the future isn't any more guaranteed than the present is like all we know is that lebron james is awesome right now we know that 
for in the future, I, I said that incorrectly, but the future, Boston has all these things, and all these young players, and a first overall pick, and who knows what next year. And it could be, it could and should lead to them having an extended window of relevance into like the mid 2020s. Um, so is that a friendlier era, uh, like timeline for the Raptors try to try and get good at than right now? Like I don't know what the answer to that is. So I think it does inform a little bit, but I think. If I were Masai Ujiri, I like the future doesn't see necessarily seem a lot friendlier than the present. Right. I think that's, it, I think that's what I'm trying to I say. I think it illustrates one of the big arguments against tanking, yeah. which is that you know, you look at the history of the NBA, there aren't always a LeBron James or a Golden State Warriors, but a lot of times, you know, yeah. with a couple exceptions, there are. Yeah. There are the Heatles, there are the big three Boston Celtics, there is Michael Jordan. There, like, are, the there, Spurs. there are the Spurs. There there's always going to be competition. Yeah. You're not just going to be able to pull back and find a window where you're going to be the best team. Like look at look at the amount that's had the break right for Cleveland and Golden State to be in the positions that they are, or for Boston to be in the position they could theoretically be, or the pain that the Sixers suffered through to now be in this position where their future is still immensely uncertain. Yeah, and uh, I think that's why it can only be, and we joked about, well, we didn't joke, but we talked about like some middle ground where they lose Lowry, but for some reason keep other players. I don't think you can do that. Like the Sixers... Whatever you want to say about that and how, like, dispiriting it was from a competitive standpoint, because you want every team to be trying to win every game they play, both strategically and organizationally. Like, that's the goal, even though it never happens. Um, (laughs) But Philadelphia did it right. Like, they might not have got the perfect outcome. Right. Your sample size is one going through the process. But they they committed to sucking so if the raptors are going to do this then you better commit it's not like a one-year turnaround unless you like buckle in for six years unless you land austin matthews you know like and even then they had been bad enough the leafs we're talking about different sport obviously but they had been bad enough where they had gone top 10 picks for a while look at how long it took lebron james lebron james to win an nba championship yeah. So even if you tank and R.J. Barrett is Toronto's LeBron James, yeah. like it, I mean that is he'll have to it, leave after yes. seven years, yes. and then come he'll back have to go after to Minnesota, the years. real North. Yeah. So two thousand twenty-eight. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, everything is uncertain. So you yeah. kind of you kind of pick what you can stomach yeah. and what you think gives you the best chance. Yeah. I think like th- there's the outcome twenty-nine out of thirty times yeah. is pain. Yeah. I think like. Right now, the future is a safer bet to win the championship yes. than the present, but that's only because we don't know exactly what's happening and in it's the future, also, but it's also unlikely, like highly unlikely. And it's also it, not the only yeah. thing that's important. Yeah, I know it's the only thing that's important to some people and teams and players. Rings. Yes. To me. Well, the Raptors already have one. Oh yeah, 905. Yeah, yeah. Bruno. <laughs> Bruno. Shout out to Bruno. Um, all right, let's let's wrap it up there on Bruno having a ring uh, and being the only one of only a couple Raptors with yeah. one. Adieu to Jeff Waltman and Jim LaBombard, two uh, very pleasant individuals to deal with uh, on a daily or weekly or monthly basis, depending yeah. on how often Waltman talked to us. And maybe RIP in peace, Fred Andrews. Uh, we'll talk to you sometime <laughs> in, the, in the next couple of weeks when there is something to talk to you about. Eric, thanks so much, buddy. See you, Blake. 
Before late to be a reasonable man.